for Josh Fortune. Thought about pulling up, back off to Akizili, lines up a three, hits from about NBA range. And Thomas Akizili, you are the number one cop on the force. And he goes George King shot it over Josh Hawkinson and hit it. What a shot, fadeaway three-pointer from the wing. Saves Colorado and maybe saves their hopes of dancing. That goes up top to Fortune. He puts the ball down on the floor. Right hand goes up off the glass with the layup. Doesn't hit. West Gordon's right there for the rebound. Off the glass and hit. West Gordon puts the Buffaloes up by three with 103 left in this overtime. Live from the Blake Street Tavern, it's the BSN Buffs Podcast. I am Jake Shapiro, your host, alongside Ryan Koningsberg. And joining us in a little bit will be Tyler Ziskin, one of the best drink pourers in town. The best. The best. best. Unquestioned best drink pourer in town. But for now, we... And don't don't call him, like, some mixologist. He's just a bartender. What's a mixologist? It's what, like, super weak... Yeah, it's like uppity bars. They don't call their bartenders bartenders. They call them mixologists. It's like how Subway it's calls like bur- their sandwich sandwich artists. Or like baristas. Like, no, nah, did you just make coffee? <laughs> well, we're coming into you hot. That'll probably be the hottest take of the day <laughs> on this podcast. We're going to smooth it over with the cool tones of Ryan Koningsberg and Jake Shapiro. A lot of Kanye West on this podcast, if you hadn't noticed. We're going to start the podcast, or we did start the podcast, with the George King buzzer beater call that I had. And, uh, wow, what a shot that was to keep Colorado alive, first off, because that was the highlight of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, that was that's one of those ones that we'll be playing and talking about um, f- for years to come. It, you know, obviously it's nowhere near the epicness of, of uh, Ski for Three, but I think, you know, uh, King from the Wing has a nice ring, if you know what I mean. I mean, I know what you mean because that was my headline after the game. and You mean my headline that I gave to you? Were we really going to do this again? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying you didn't even like it. Anyways, that was Colorado's <laughs> shot in overtime to extend the game. They were down three with a few seconds left. They get it's, into it's double gonna overtime. Back. It's going to be back, man. I miss chopping it up with you on the podcast. Yeah, Ryan, look, this is the first BSN Buffs podcast with me and Ryan in three weeks. I did it with Zisk last week. We had the week off la- uh, two weeks ago, so three weeks. Yep. We haven't talked in a while. Last time we talked, I believe, was after the Stanford-Cal game. No, it was after the Washington Washington State games on the road. Really? Yep. Wow. Because we did the BSN Buffs postgame podcast over the Washington game, and then we did the weekend Washington-Washington State. So we got a lot to talk about. You know, Ryan hasn't had uh, a a platform to get his opinions out uh, uh, audioly. Audioly? Um, through, I don't know what you're looking for, but uh, yeah, I know yes. what you mean. Yeah, he hasn't been on this platform in a while, so we're going to have a lot of opinions from Ryan. I'll just keep setting him up. But Colorado wins that one, 88-81 against Washington State. And I want to quickly recap that one up from last Thursday night. Really great effort from West Gordon without Josh Scott. Josh Scott kind of surprisingly didn't play, and uh, he didn't play against Washington either, but that was a little bit more expected after we knew uh, that he didn't play against Washington State. He injured his ankle in the Oregon State game on the road in Corvallis. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they just went out there uh, and played that well, and just Wesley. Wesley deserves so much credit, uh, and I don't even feel like he's gotten it. Like, I think I gave him player of the game both games uh after those two games and it's just 
And, like, we really try to avoid giving players two straight games. Right. Like, the only person who's gotten that before is Josh, and it's sometimes impossible to not give it to him. But, I mean, like, I just – I haven't seen enough – there hasn't been enough buzz on Twitter about Wesley. Um, Tyler Ziskin hasn't said enough things uh, – enough nice things about Wesley. <laughs> Sorry, he's sitting right next to me. Uh, and what Wesley did this weekend is – I mean, he literally replaced an all-conference player, and he played at a – absolute 100% all-conference level. So, uh, you know, he d- he deserves to be in conversations about, you know, the most important player on this team to the point, in my opinion. He definitely became the Gordon of the Pearl Street Mafia. Don't, don't, don't. do that. No. Okay. Well, in that Washington State... I was fine with everything until the Pearl Street Mafia. That, that One of my teachers made that up in high school. That was what was going on at Boulder High. And, uh, I'm down with calling him the Don, though. The Don? Because I, I, I actually like that, too. That We just weren't able to fit that into our... Uh, Tyler's shaking his head, too. He, so if Tyler likes it, then that, that means it's going to go over well. Yeah, I think it's dope. Um, that's, that's official now. Okay, good. Uh, in the Washington State game, the Buffs do a lot better of a job on Ika Rebu. Ika Rebu went off on the Buffs in the first uh, matchup. Meanwhile, Josh Hawkinson really got going in that second half and in overtime for the Cougars. For the Buffs, not only did Wes Gordon have a really good game, but George King, besides the big shot, had a very solid game. Xavier Talton had a very nice weekend, too. Yeah, uh, Xavier Talton's another guy who um, I think he has gotten a lot of credit. It seems like people have just been cheering for XT to do well for so long now, and everyone wants to see him do well. He's such a nice kid. Um, He's really composed on the court, and uh, I I think to see him do that in these – three games really and even kind of going back a little bit it seems like he's gotten better every game this year and he just keeps on playing more and more like a senior uh and going down the stretch they're absolutely going to need him and you just see in the in the amount of minutes he's getting um even when he doesn't have to go in there because of the foul trouble on other players he's still getting tons of minutes uh from tad boyle and tad so tad boyle really really trusts him right now yeah, and really there's no reason not to trust the guys that have been there for you in West Gordon and Xavier Talton. They've really come along, and Tad Boyle mentioned this after practice today. He's talking about consistency, and I even mentioned this in my postgame article uh, after the Washington game. If the Buffs can somehow find a way to be more consistent, they're going to be going from good to great. And really, that's the one thing missing from this team is the consistency in guys like Wes Gordon and a guard that consistently steps up. Whether that guy becomes Dominique Collier or Xavier Talton, I'm not sure, but it's been a mix of those two all year. And if one of them really steps up, this team could really make some noise in March. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think it needs to be narrowed down to, oh, Wesley needs to be more consistent and and Dom needs to be more – like, everyone needs to be more consistent. And Wesley, Wesley, I think – people have fallen into the trap of continuously saying he needs to be more consistent i mean he had a one or two games this year that he kind of lagged it but he's been pretty damn consistent this year in my opinion uh it's just the whole team they go through these lulls and no matter what it is they're always going to find something to mess up on a nightly basis it, it, it reminds me of my golf game uh you know the day you're going off the tee is the day you can't hit you can't hit a putt or whatever it is the day that your your mid-range game is going the day you can't get it in the fairway it seems like they just can't put it all together uh, one day, and that's why you know they're shooting above par right now. And to your point, that first game of the weekend, they were out-rebounded by four, which can absolutely not happen in Tad Boyle's mind. In the second game of the weekend, they turn over the ball 22 times. Exactly. So that's 
and that's exactly what I'm getting at there is they can't seem to uh, to get it right. And as Tad Boyle said in practice today, uh, stop talking about it and start effing doing it when he when it comes to taking care of the ball. So you know, I think that's how every single Buffs fan feels right now. It's just there's so many, uh, and I also overheard him say I think. They had 19 turnovers over the weekend that were just passing and catching the ball. It's not even, you know, they're getting they're getting uh, their pockets picked or whatever it is. It's literally just their passes aren't going to the other guy's hands, and if it goes to the other guy's hands, it's not staying there. I mean, there was one, I don't remember who threw it to him, but someone threw a perfect entry pass to a cutting Josh Fortune, and it just, like, hit off his fingertips and off his foot, and it turned into a turnover. And it's just, like, the little things, like passing and catching the ball uh, – have seemingly come back to bite them in these games where they're turning the ball over 20 times. It's, you have to just you have to think before you pass the ball and not just telegraph it over there. And you have to make sure you're looking it into your hands, as stupid as it may sound. Second game of the weekend, Colorado wins 81-80 against Washington, and they remain set, what 18 and one when scoring 70 or more points. When the Colorado team puts up a good amount of points, they are very hard to beat. In that game. Like I said, Wes Gordon was very good. George King didn't have the best stat line, but uh, was uh, a player to, I guess, he was he was someone that put up 10 points. and 10 rebounds. Right, 10 rebounds. That was the big thing from him. Collier had 10 points in the game as well. He didn't get on the assist numbers, and he had three turnovers. So really, besides Wes Gordon in that game, every buff that did something good, it seemed like they also did something bad. Yeah, but, I mean, then again, it's like you beat Washington. And you beat them pretty handily aside from... Without your best player. Without your best player. But aside from letting them back into that game. And I wish Tyler would have been there to see it because he uh, would have had some some things to say about that comeback. But it to me, it's like you can't be mad about that one either because you wouldn't be the team that absolutely waxed you on their court. You shut down a guy like DeJounte Murray and uh, Andrew Andrews was held pretty much in check. Yet... He still has a shot that I was 100% sure was going to be a bottom of the net when it left his hands. Um, but you get away. I mean, wins are wins anytime. Wins without your best player are should be counted as two in your mind. Yeah, the biggest disappointment from that game is Colorado's up 17 in the first half. Washington cuts that lead to one. Then Colorado gets back up by 14, and Washington cuts that lead to one with a chance to win the game with seconds left. I said to you, the first thing I said to you after we left Coors Events, and I'm like, oh, thank God Zisk's phone was off. <laughs> no, that was against uh, Washington State. No, I was pretty sure it was against Washington because the day we went and got lunch. It was against oh, yeah. Washington. It was I, a good I, thing that ne- it's, neither it was a good of thing those days. Neither of those. Right. But, you know. Because he would have he definitely made Twilight's four CU fans think the Buffs lost. Sorry, Goose. <laughs> but, uh, you know. They both in both games they narrowly escaped, and you know it shows you how good Josh Scott is. It shows you how how hard it is to win in this league, but it also shows you how deep this team is. Right, and I don't know if it's if depth is exactly the word for it, but it just shows you um, the plethora. resilient, or the, how resilient they are. As Wesley Gordon said after the game, he goes, "Tonight we showed our res- re- resiliency. Resiliency. I said that right, right." So they did show their resiliency, and and they showed that, um, you know, when things get tough, they don't stick their tail between their legs. They go out and get it. And, I mean, I just keep thinking about about that shot from George King. It's just – 
I almost felt, and maybe some other people felt this way too, but like, even when he rebounded the ball, I just like thought he was going to score because I was like, there's just no way they can lose to Washington State at home. Yeah. Like, they're down by two, or they're down by three with eight seconds left and the clock is running. And in my mind, I was still like, there's no way they can lose to Washington State, right? It was like being in the twilight zone. Like, what you were watching was not happening. Like I like I was calling the game and I was I was trying to figure out how to put it into words, and I I didn't ever say that C might lose or C was gonna <laughs> lose. Like I was like, oh, there, something's gonna happen where, <laughs> where there's no way they're gonna lose to Washington State on their home floor. Like if that shot hit off the back rim and didn't go in for George King, that would have been the first time I was I would have been like, oh my god, they actually just lost to Washington State. Like it, it hadn't even really crossed my mind in until. front of seven thousand people. Right. And, I mean, that's another thing I want to bring up before we wrap up this first segment is the attendance was pretty weak this weekend. Yeah, it was all right on Sunday, uh, aside from the students who, um, I I guess noon is an excuse for them. There's always an excuse. It's kind of old at this point. Uh, But I think they had 9,400 in there on Sunday, which was actually a pretty good crowd. But there's no excuse on Thursday for there to not be anyone there i mean it's a thursday night at 8 p.m like why what are the students doing what uh, like it, what, it cut too deep into their pre-gaming time because it ended it well, it ended up ending at like 11 30 yeah we couldn't even hit the bar after yeah we wanted to go and get we wanted to go and get a late night happy hour at half fast and by the time the game was over and we were out of the press conference we couldn't get there uh so i guess i mean it's just always something it's it's kind of annoying at this point. Of course, they'll probably sell out Arizona, and everyone will be happy, and then they might even get a good crowd for Arizona State after that. But it's just a uh, I, I, – it doesn't make any sense to me, I guess, because this team is as good as – I mean, really as good as any of the teams that I think have come through here. There's not quite the star power of a Spencer Dinwiddie and, a, and an Andre Robertson and that sort of thing. But, man, you only get a couple more shots to come see Josh Scott uh, and – Josh Scott's an all-time great at this school, in my opinion, so it doesn't really make sense to me. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk with Tyler Ziskin about the Colorado Buffalo's bubble hopes. Are they on the bubble? Where are they on the bubble? Are they above the bubble? Are they below the bubble? I don't even know if that's a thing people use. Uh, But they are in the conversation for March Madness, and Tyler is our expert on that. So we'll have his opinion in more and more, not in more, and more on the other side of this break. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. What am I doing here? Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Bezo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi. 
I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I've tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training at Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. Back into the BSN Buffs podcast from the Blake Street Tavern. And if you're not around the Blake Street Tavern and you're a little further down south, uh, you got to get out to the Clock Tower Grill. If you're heading downtown to catch the Buffs game, maybe you're coming here, but you want to stop for a quick drink first, uh, stop, get off the Lincoln Light Rail Station and get by the Clock Tower Grill for your pregame. Uh, $3 Long Islands on Mondays, 75 cent wings on Wednesdays. You got $3 shots on Fridays. Uh, there's no better place to start off the event at the Clock Tower Grill, so get down there before you jump on the light rail and head downtown. But we here are at the Blake Street Tavern. Just had some great wings, a uh, couple Dale's Pale Ales, that's how we do it. And it's time to bring in our favorite bartender here, Tyler Ziskin, who also happens to know a thing or two about basketball. Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's nice to be back in the saddle. I feel like I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. You I know. You've been real elitist out there. Oh, the Super elitist. Is that the word we're using for me? Sure. Why not? It sounds like a good uh, Just kidding. We missed you. I, I, I missed you guys, too. I, what I really miss is what's on your shirt right now, which is the Westgate, Las Vegas. Um, I've officially moved on from like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I can't believe I'm doing another one of these trips to like, all right, let's do this. Let's do Vegas. Yeah. It, it takes about four seconds <laughs> once, you, once you realize what you're about to get to. It's also like tournament. when you're in Vegas, you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get home. And then look. You get home, and, like, the first time you're bored, you're like, damn, man, I kind of miss Vegas a little yeah. bit. Usually it takes to, like, day three of Vegas before I get to that point. And I don't even know if we've talked about this, but I'm going for a full week because I have a bar and restaurant convention the week before. So I'm going to be a dead body, I think, at some point during the trip. You're going to have to revive me. As long as you're ready, ready to go, and I get there on my birthday on Wednesday, I'll be all right. You know I'm there for you. <laughs> all right, well, let's stop talking about how awesome our lives are going to be soon. Uh, and start talking about things people care about, which happens to be the University of Colorado Buffalo's basketball team at this point. Uh, maybe, I don't even know if they do care about it because they don't show up to watch it. But <laughs> uh, tell me about where the Buffs are sitting right now uh, in terms of their prospects and making the tournament. Yeah, so and we talked about this a little bit last week while you were gone, but um, I bet basically, you did. basically what I, yeah. <laughs> 
basically what I said was that, you know, if we lose a home game, then you can start to get nervous. So obviously people were pretty nervous for a majority of the weekend because we <laughs> had opportunities in both of those games to lose. Um, Real quick, you but, texted me uh, after the Washington State game, and you said that was like out of the tournament type of loss. Well, I mean, happened. it would by itself it wouldn't have done so, but the issue, of course, is the remaining games. Right. I mean, right. if you lose to Washington State, there's, I mean, obviously it doesn't totally translate, but there's a good chance that you find a way to lose to Washington too. And even if you win that game, you still need two more wins in the last five. I mean, you feel pretty good about getting one of the last five, I think, but yeah. two, two is. Yeah. Not even close to a guarantee. Right. So okay. you would have put yourself behind the eight ball there because we would have finished below 500 in the league if we had not figured out a way to win two games. Plus, you have a home loss to the worst team in the conference and a team that, I mean, that, that would have been one of the worst losses on the bubble. There are teams that have losses to RPI top 200 or outside the top 200, but most of them aren't at home. You know what I mean? Like losing to that type of team at home is not ideal whatsoever. So that that loss would have been absolutely massive, even more so than the Washington one. But the Washington win is huge for us, again, because of the remaining schedule. We had to get all those winnable games that you can. So especially without Josh Scott, um, the end result you're very satisfied with. I mean, I was talking – so I was up in Breckenridge this weekend, so I had to miss the Washington game. And so my reaction is once I see the scores, I just start texting everyone like everyone's super hyped – and every single response was just like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why? What happened? Uh, and yeah, just kind of so I realized quickly that I was very lucky to have not been there. And so were all of you who follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, dude, I was ha- I was directly behind him for the angle of when he took his shot. And there wasn't a shot I saw all night that looked more pure than that one when it left his hand. So the the sigh of relief. Uh, is definitely perfect for what the way people were feeling. Um, but they get the two wins, uh, and, and as ugly or as tough as it may, it may have been, uh, they have them. And now, to me, it feels like they're pretty close to getting themselves uh, to punching their ticket. What, what do they need to do in these last five games now to officially punch themselves in? Yeah, I mean, excluding the Pac-12 tournament because we don't know where we're going to be seated and who we're going to play. Um, if we win two of the next five, we are a certified lock. And seriously, 100%. We'll be a mid-30s RPI team. At worst case, we'll be one of the first 10 seeds. Um, most likely, we'll be an 8 or a 9. Um, and if we get more than 2, obviously, we can move up from there. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a certifiable lock. I'd put anything on it. Um, one win, I still feel we'll have better than a 50% chance. Obviously, if you go 1-4 and four and then lose in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, you start to get pretty nervous there, depending on who you're playing. Um... But, yeah, I mean, so if we, if we win one out of the last five, let's say it's um, Arizona State, for example, that's probably the most winnable game, um, we'd be sitting right around 50th in the RPI. There's precedent for teams to get left out in that scenario, but it's only happened twice in the last four years for a power conference team. And in both of those cases, they had multiple RPI top 100 losses. We obviously are going to finish the year with zero, um, so that helps us. Um, and also, we play in the number two RPI conference in the nation this year. Neither of those teams did. One was SEC team, and one was a Big Ten team. Um, and one of those teams also was below 500 in their conference that year. So we will have avoided all of those issues, I guess you can say. So the chances of us getting left out at an RPI of 50 are pretty small for me. I would give us better than 50, 50% odds. Um, and if we and if we win one and then winning game in the Pac-12 tournament, I'd feel pretty good about our chances there as well. 
cool. I wanted to do a couple uh, comparisons of resumes here. Yeah. Um, and one that came up on Twitter today was Colorado and Wisconsin. To mm -hmm. me, they almost have, like, uh, very opposite resumes that end up putting them in the same place. Uh, what do you have to think of a, of a comparison between those two? Yeah, I mean, so Wisconsin's very hot right now, which, al which always helps your perspective, right? I mean, they've won seven in a row. Um, the win at Maryland is really the one that people are going to look to as a big resume booster. The rest of their schedule has not really been that great. They didn't have any great wins among those. Um, but the Maryland one is huge because they're a top-five team in most metrics, and they won that game on the road. So that's the one that really boosts them up. Um, they do have four terrible losses, though, including one to a team ranked outside the top 250 in the RPI at home. That's, so, incredible. that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, they're 8-5 so they're and five against the top 100 right now, which is really good. That's among the best on the bubble. That's actually right above us. We're 7-7. Seven and seven. So that would put them in the top four or five uh, among the bubble teams right now at 8-5. and five. So that, from that perspective, that's pretty good. Um, they have four top 50 wins as well, which is one more than we do. But those four RPI 100 losses mean a lot, too. We have zero. I mean, that's, that's the big difference in the resumes right now. A lot of people are putting them on the same seed line as us. But I would say if the committee dove into that, I would be very surprised if the season ended today, if they had the same seed line we did. We would be above them, I think, um, if you took out the, the – the, Point, the factor that they've been hot lately and if because because the committee so they used to look at your last 10 games they don't do that anymore they measure each game as equal. equally yeah. yeah so it doesn't matter if you finish with seven straight wins they all matter the same at least that's that's what, that's they, what they, say. they say yeah yeah that's what they say so th they would not be above us on the seed line right now although i will and they're super hot they do they have a tough closing schedule they still have to um go to michigan state and iowa so if they were able to find a way to get one of those, they would be in very good shape. Um, if not, they're going to be – they'll be – they're in pretty good shape right now. I mean, their top half of their schedule is pretty good and they finish strong, but they have to avoid another bad loss for sure. The, the thing, though, that I think comes up so often is that uh, the committee is – I think the committee can sometimes be more interested in who you beat rather than who you lost to. And so necessarily the Buffs – I mean, the Buffs won't have a bad loss. I mean – uh, Arizona State at home would be kind of ugly, but other than that, and sometimes I feel like the committee is more interested in, well, did you beat tournament quality teams because that's who you're going to be facing? Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely that argument to be made too. Um, based on what I've seen in the years of really factoring it in closely, they kind of value both pretty similarly. And CU's not—it's not like they have a poor top portion of their resume. I mean, they have wins over Cal, who's a top 25 RPI team right now. They're Oregon. very hot. Yeah, and Oregon obviously is a top five team. They have a win over them as well. Um, Oregon State has been has a very solid resume compared to a lot of people how they talk to them about right now. Um, we'll see how a few of the other teams finish the year. But I mean, to have three top fifty RPI wins is you know it's not it's not no, the best. Nothing but, to I shake mean, a stick at though. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, if you look at it. So I have thirty seven teams in my bubble analysis that I do the spreadsheet that I use. And that includes teams that have worked their way up into the field. So, like, Oregon and Texas and Notre Dame are all on there, and they're all three, four, or five seeds right now. So those are included in that. Um, CU in top 50 wins is tied for 13th among the 38. Uh, there's 24 teams currently slated to make the tournament out of those 38. So they're comfortably in there in top 50 wins total, and they're, they're 19th in RPI top 50 win percentage. So they're still a tournament team by that, by those metrics, just not as good as they are in some of the others. Like in comparison, their RPI top 200 wins, they're third 
out of the 38 right now, including all those teams that I talked about before. So, the You mentioned Oregon State, and that's another one I wanted to uh, mm-hmm. do a little bit of a uh, resume analysis there. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because they've had a big last couple of weeks, despite what people have said about them. Um, just looking through who they've beaten this year, they have five top 25 RPI wins. That's the second most of any team on the bubble, including all those teams I told you that are three, four, and five seats. So they have wins over um, Cal, USC, Utah, Colorado, um, and Oregon. Like, so I would say arguably the five best teams in the Pac-12 besides um, Arizona. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that they've lost to, and they, they only played Arizona on the road. Um, so, I mean, they've beaten a lot of really good teams in conference play, and they also have a uh, non-conference win against Tulsa, who's been very hot lately as well and is starting to look more and more like a tournament team. So people have been a little bit down on them. They have a very strong schedule, number 12 in the entire country, according to Ken Palm, and uh, their worst loss of the season is at home to um, Stanford, or you could say their loss at Arizona State um, It would be in there as well. So they don't have any top 100 losses either. So their resume is a little bit better than I think they're getting credit for right now. Last thing I'll ask you here is uh, you talked about the Arizona State win, but I think, you know, they have a chance to get to beat some of these other teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it is any other of those wins? Is that pretty much lock them in? I mean, if they beat. Yes. So uh, USC, UCLA on the road, Arizona at home or Utah on the road. All of those are basically lock yourselves in. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. No questions asked. They'll be a lock into the tournament. They'll, they even if they lost in the first round of the Pac-12 after that, they would be a top forty RPI school. No high major program has ever gotten left out in that scenario ever. Um, and we're in one of the best conferences in the country. So I would be very surprised to change that to that uh, that tone with this team. So yes, they get two wins there in the tournament. So you heard it here here first, folks. Uh, four chances left on the schedule. All you need to win is one of them outside of that Arizona State game, uh, and the Buffs will be dancing according to Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, thank you for joining us. Folks, get out here to the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be down here on Wednesday night. I know it's a 9 p.m. start, but, hey, that just gives you more time to get that road game blanket on, and uh, Blake Street Tavern is going to have $6 24-ounce Coors Lights, which I think you need probably about two, just two of those before the game to get you in a good place to watch the Buffs take on a really, really talented USC team. Uh, And on the other side of the break, we will talk about these upcoming games. Uh, And so thanks for listening. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. 
When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. $3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and mussels to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. Let me tell you, I'm out here from a very far away place. Oh, what chance to be a star? Nowhere seems to be too far. No more bodies in LA. Oh, it's so cold. Oh, my Dude, my teeth. It, oh, my tooth right in the backside on my right, right in my mouth. Oh, it's so cold. Dude, I, I think you need to go to root mechanics. Root mechanics? Yeah, dude, it's where you get root canals. No, I think you're thinking of boot mechanics. <laughs> oh, yeah, boot mechanics, where you go to get ski boots. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, bootmechanics.com. You can hit them up on their website. Professional skier Jeremy Johnson will hook you up in Golden with uh, the best set of ski boots you will ever wear. Yeah, because he's got those footbeds, and they take a mold of your foot, and they basically make it like you're standing on a cloud while you're hitting that pound. If only someone could do that for my mouth. Yeah, dude, you're going to have to find out if there is a root mechanics. Yeah, uh, maybe we can get a tooth sponsor and we can uh, get Shaft's <laughs> teeth fixed, fixed up all nice. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of no more parties in L.A., I think the Buffs are trying to make sure there are no more parties in L.A. this weekend as they face the USC Trojans on Wednesday and the UCLA Bruins on Saturday night, both 11 p.m. Eastern start times. A lot of East Coast people will be watching that one, I assume. I'm so upset by this. Like, it, it, it puts a whole damper on my week knowing that we're going to be working until, like, 2, 3 in the morning after those stupid games. Yeah, that literally does not bother me at all. I understand that. Yeah. The, the noon starts really do bother me. <laughs> Hashtag no noon starts it, to no new friends. Got You get it? No noon starts? I didn't, I didn't get that. No noon, like, no new friends. Hashtag no new friends. But, like, hashtag no noon starts. What's no new friends? You've never... Seriously? Yeah. It's like, like, like all the rappers say it, like no new friends, like, cause I'm, you know, I've got all this money and like, I don't, oh. like, it's a Drake, Drake says it all the time. That's how I feel. Cause you're big time, no new friends. Yeah. Like you go to the Super Bowl now, you come back, like no new friends, like can't, can't open up to new people. Yeah. Like I haven't responded to anyone's text messages unless I really like them in like three weeks. You weren't even responding to my text messages at the Super Bowl, so now you're making me feel bad. I, I didn't respond to anybody's text messages. I mean, there are some girls out there who can vouch for me on that one. Yeah, 
<laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> anyways, the USC Trojans is the marquee matchup of the weekend on Wednesday night. The USC Trojans are 18-7 and and 7-5 and in Pac-12 play. The Buffaloes are 8-5 and in Pac-12 play. So this is going to be a matchup for third place in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> the thing is, is they're just not going to win either of these games. Uh, and so I just don't... <laughs> Way to break it to himself. <laughs> Wait, the thing is, yeah, they're not winning. No, it's just not. I mean, I'm, I I don't know how else to. I don't want fans to get their hopes up because I feel like it happened before the Oregon trip. Right. Everyone was like, OMG, we can totally win and take first place in the conference. Um, and I think I allowed that to happen, and I can't allow that to happen this time around. Because legitimately, if they did win twice this weekend, they would either be tied or leading the conference pretty much. Just but don't even say it out loud because they're going to lose twice, and that's okay. So, like, I'm not even allowed to say if that were to happen? Because it, then you played yourself. Okay, well, USC trails Colorado by a, game, uh, by a half game right now. UCLA is uh, trailing Colorado by two and a half games. They're five and seven in Pac-12, play 14 and 11 overall. But like I said, USC is the marquee matchup of this weekend. And Tab Boyle mentioned it today in practice where, you know, the teams Colorado's played, you got either Andrew Andrews or Ike Arebu or Jakob Pertl. You, you have one guy to stop. With USC Trojans, they have six guys averaging double figures. It's not just one guy you need to stop. Yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing about them is – they can beat you in so many different ways, and that's what's made them so good this year, and that's why they've been able to turn it around from being a uh, mediocre, at best, Pac-12 team to being a great team is um, you never know who's going to go off on any given night. I mean, it's Julian Jacobs, it's Caden Reinhardt, it's Jovanovic, it's uh, whoever, and you can't defend all It's Jordan McLaughlin. It, you can't defend all these guys um, throughout the whole game, so you kind of go into the game being blind, um, trying to figure out who's trying to hurt you that night, who's going to hurt you. Uh, and you just never know how they're going to attack you. So that's what makes USC so dangerous. And I, I think, you know, at home, teams like that at home are always so hard to beat. Because, you know, if they were coming to the Coors Event Center, I'd say, well, maybe there's a chance they all stay kind of quiet. At home, there's absolutely no chance you're keeping all of them quiet. Benny Boatwright, another guy who can go get buckets on you. His uh, brother, one of my favorite players ever to play college basketball. Ryan Boatwright. Oh, why, are you, why are you so I, obsessed with Ryan Boatwright? Uh, well, he's from Chicago, but uh, uh, Ryan Boatwright, because he had one tweet. Wait, why is he from Chicago and Benny Boatwright's from L.A.? I, th I thought he was from Chicago. He is from Chicago, but he had one tweet uh, where he, like, he always would tweet boat puns, so he would tweet, <laughs> like, boat equals goat. Okay. Like, so, like, he would always be like, like, you ain't messing with boat dough. Like, he was, like, always talking like, like he just call himself Boat. Did he ever say, don't rock the boat? <laughs> I don't think he went that far. <laughs> that would have been dope. But, uh, yeah, keep going on this USC thing. They got Reinhardt, Jacobs, Yovanovic, McLaughlin. Very good player. Oh, oh right. Yeah. I mean, it goes on and on, and it's just like where – there's just no chance that none of them are going off on uh, Wednesday night. It's just – so, like, someone is getting theirs, and the Buffs aren't good enough defense to shut them all down. And that's why, you know, they're just not going to win. Uh, a couple of those guys are going to get theirs. You, you're going to be asking too much of the offense to kind of go, kind of go through and uh, make up for all that on the road. We know how much they struggle. So, uh, <laughs> that's USC's good, man. They're top twenty-five. You just don't go beat them on the road. Yeah, and they the Buffs are really not going to win if they don't have Josh Scott. Right. Uh, I think they will. 
Okay. But I thought they were going to have him for Washington. So, so you, you're you're not trustworthy anymore, is what you're saying? Yeah, I have absolutely no credibility. Uh, you've lost all credibility. I'm I'm a I'm a birds guy. <laughs> BSNbirds.com, <laughs> editor in chief. I mean, I've never been wrong about a bird. That is a bird. <laughs> I mean, you were right. That was a bird. That was Connor. Um, but yeah, it was Connor. Uh, and then you got UCLA on the back half of this road trip, and UCLA, although not having a good year. Arguably the most talented team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I, you have to deal with Alford Magic on that home floor. So. Right. That I mean, UCLA is so good. I don't know how they've been. They can't win games because I, I think when all is said and done here, they're going to be the most talented team in the country sitting at home in March, and, unless they go play in the NIT. Uh, but either way, or the no, CBI. no, no, they're better than the CBI. Uh, I think, you know, they are going to be sitting home, but it's not that crazy to say that they could win the Pac-12 tournament, so maybe they wouldn't They wouldn't be sitting at home. Uh, and that's what's going to make this Pac-12 tournament so exciting is basically anyone one through nine, one through eight, has a very has a realistic chance. I mean, I don't think, like, I wouldn't give Stanford a chance. So, I mean, one through eight probably has a chance. You're not putting Ferd in the herd, so to speak? No, they're you – know. They don't have it. Um, so that, that'll kind of be this weekend. It'll be tough. and They're going to lose both games. Colorado has five <laughs> games left on their schedule. I think the only t- three teams that won't win the Pac-12 tournament, like for sure that I'm sure about, are Stanford, Arizona State, and Washington State. Yeah, so right, I'd say nine. One through nine. One right. Uh, well, you, then you corrected yourself to eight. You kind of backed down from there. But Oh, yeah. Who's in ninth place? Well, it's UCLA, then it's Oregon State, and okay, then Washington. Okay, yeah, so one, one through nine. Right, because yeah. I think Oregon State's legit, too. And all those teams really could make the tournament besides UCLA. So eight teams really vying here in the last five games of their schedule to make some noise. And we, we talked about the buffs a little bit. And hold on, hold on. I just want to say something. I know that uh, I, I got something to say. That's what I have. That's what I uh, we're bringing it back. <laughs> Let's just try and not freak out when they lose both. Okay. Or, like, that's my goal for Buffs Twitter of the weekend. W- uh, what if they lose both and then lose to Arizona? So three straight losses. I mean, that's likely to happen. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. What if? All they need to do is win one out of the last two, as we just heard from Tyler Ziskin, to feel good about it. Um I think they have a really good chance to beat Arizona at home, so that one I, I'll allow people to be more upset about. But they're just not – like, I, Tyler thinks that the UCLA game is going to be close. I I particularly don't. I mean, I don't think they're going to – I don't know what the spreads are, but I don't think they'll cover the spreads. I think it's going to be a really ugly weekend for the Buffs. Uh, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, you know, just go – I think it's so safe to just go into this weekend thinking, all right, we're going to take uh, a couple whippings here to shape ourselves up for this last home stretch. All right, that's fair. And then the Buffs would have basically Arizona State and Utah left, and that would be them before Vegas. But uh, we'll have all that coverage more next week because of, uh, you know, we're talking about L.A. now. And why don't we review some of the Mount Rushmores that were sent to us on Twitter this week, <laughs> as well as create our own Mount Rushmore of four the four best CU athletes. And I said coaches could be... Uh, considered for this because coaches are such a big big part of college sports. I had a I had a bunch of really good ones sent into us from you know really knowledgeable Buffs fans, whether it be Zisk or Bups Jones or uh, Matthew Robotas, that is, or uh, 
Ben Burroughs, Goose even had one. So let me read a few of these. Burroughs had Weiser, Max, Seal, uh, Marlet. Abby had uh, Abby Shea, at Abby Shea, had Wizard, or Byron, I can't say his nickname. By, uh, Byron White. White. Wizard Byron White. White. Cliff, By, uh, Byron Wizard White. Yes. Cliff Mealy, Rashawn Salam, and Chauncey Billups. Double A at Andrew An- Anders 41. Um, he didn't have an N at the end of his name. Salam, Bianami, Ro- Roberson, Dinwiddie, and Big Al off the bench. Lucas. There's no off the bench. I know. I don't, I don't know what that don't is. Don't read that BS. Cisneros even chimed in. Our own Matt Cisneros said, I'll stick with my time here. Go Dinwiddie, Spruce, Roberson, and P. Rich. Pretty solid four for just being, well, he's been here. Uh, he's a senior. Uh, Red standing by at Arrival Dojo says Cordell, Chauncey, Salam, and Hale Irwin. Cordell, I'm trying to get Lucas's here. Lucas says Chauncey, Mealy, Sox, and Birdie. So he went all basketball. Of course he did. It's Goose. Oh, it was Goose. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to switch over to where Zisk told us his. Zisk said, Hail Irwin, Weezer. I don't know why I just did that. <laughs> he uh, loves the band Weezer. <laughs> he wants it in I there. I do love Weezer, though. <laughs> uh, Byron White, uh, Chauncey Billups, and Big Al. So Hail Irwin was that first one. And that's a pretty fun, solid four, too. And I'll read mine before Ryan gets to his. And uh, I was considering a few because, you know, I moved here in 2007 and I liked, you know, Speedy Stewart, Joel Klatt, uh, Corey Higgins, one of my favorite basketball players ever, as well as uh, 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 obviously Tad Boyle is a great coach, I think. But here are my four. Byron White, Sox Walset. Stop saying Byron. Byron. Byron White. <laughs> Byron White, Sox Walset, Chauncey Billups, and John Stearns. Okay. I thought you were going to be like, who the hell is John Stern? Well, that's like so a, that's I, a hot take. I would, well, he played 10 years for the New York Mets. He was a very good baseball player. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was drafted in the NBA. Trying, and Well, he was drafted in Major League Baseball and NFL. That's pretty good. Why don't you tell him about his time at CU? Well, I don't. I have it I think he was, Oh, he led. You know what he did? And before I even check, I know this. He led, uh, national, uh, he led nationally in home runs in 1974. So he was home run king in college baseball. That's really cool. pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I am going to go. Um, the first one, I, I guess I'll get Chauncey out of the way. But you, I think you have to put in the most notable basketball player. Most notable athlete, most likely. in the la- I mean, at least in the last 20 years. Yeah. And then I think the most, no- the most notable athlete, well, I don't know. I guess it's hard to compare eras here. But I think Wizard White would be. Um, the most notable in, in terms of what he did. Uh, he was just dominant. He did everything for the football team, and then he goes on to be a Supreme Court judge. So, Arguably the greatest student CU's ever had. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a qu- it's a close one and two. Wizard right. White, Ryan Konigsberg, I don't know which way you go. I was more thinking NASA astronauts and Nobel laureates, but okay. Yeah, like me. Gosh, I really... Hashtag no new friends. Uh, then I go... I actually... Uh, I guess I'll go then uh, Rashawn Salam. I think you have a Heisman winner. To me, that you can't leave the Heisman winner out. Uh, that's that's one of, you know, not very many teams have a Heisman winner in a national championship. I believe it's 24 teams that have that. So the fact that you have uh, that Heisman winner, I think, has to be in there. And then my last one, I'm going with Coach Mack because I think that national championship team was so balanced and so good that I can't pick one player off of it. So I'm going to... I, it might be the easy way out, 
but I take the coach there, um, really the the coach that brought CU glory um, and, and brought them to really heights never before seen and never since seen. So I think Coach Mack has to be there. Some notable snubs, I will say Cordell Stewart, just because you released an article today on him, Darian Hagan, uh, the new running back coach at CU. And speaking of that, what do you think about Darian Hagan moving over to that position? Man, my first thought when I heard it is I'm just so happy for Coach Hagan. Uh, I think he's one of the good guys around here, and he really, it really, really means a lot to him, I think, to be back in this coaching role. He really wanted it, um, and he, he worked hard and, and kind of upped his ante this season to kind of show Coach Mack that, hey, look, I really want to be on this staff, um, and here's, here's why. And I think if you read that article I posted with him, you can see that it, it means more to him uh, than just coaching. So to me, I'm really happy about that. I think uh, he can bring something really good on the recruiting trail. I mean, you, you talk about they wouldn't have, and I know it ended up being a snub, but they wouldn't have got Daryl Scott if it wasn't for Coach Hagan. So uh, I think, you know, he brings something that no one else can bring into living rooms, which is a guy who, con who came from L.A., um, from kind of a, a sketchy area, and came to the Buffs, and not there's no one else on the staff that can bring that perspective, so I think that's huge. And you're fine with the other changes made on the staff? Uh, <laughs> Sir, on the surface, I guess, yes. Um, I, I, I like um, shaking things up. I think maybe they could have got gone out and gotten a young up-and-coming tight ends coach. Um, to be honest, that's probably what I would have preferred to see if they were going to open up that tight ends role. But uh, overall, I think the way they rounded out the staff as a whole was a positive for the team. And one of the things when we were, I'm going back to Mount Rushmore there just because I, I thought of the Darian Hagan thing, and that's obviously pertinent in the news. But one of the things with the Mount Rushmore is I know a lot of people chose just basketball and football, and it makes sense. I mean, I chose, uh, you know, baseball player. But uh, Matthew Robbins makes a really good point. He, he actually chose Ralphie the third as one of his choices, which, you know, it's the best mascot in college sports. So I understand uh, the, the running Ralphie is in F as sport technically at CU, so that actually but works. That's like making the football an option. If, if running <laughs> Ralphie is the sport, isn't Ralphie like the, the, the object, the object yeah. of the sport? Yeah, I don't know. But the other one he had was Kara, Kara, uh, Kara Wheeler-Groucher. Mm-hmm. One of the best uh, skiers at CU. I, I thought that was a great choice. Uh, I, no, that was a, she's a cross country player. It's cross country. Cross Sorry. country player. Cross country player. <laughs> she's a track athlete. But Seal Berry got on a few lists. Uh, she's obviously a great women's basketball coach. Dave Logan has meant a lot to the state of Colorado. Uh, a lot of really good choices here. Uh, Bobby and Dick Anderson, another two, uh, maybe more famous for what they did after CU. Uh, and I was surprised only one person said Cliff Mealy because he's honestly fantastic. But I guess there's so many good choices here. It's hard to choose, and a lot of people deserve the recognition of being on this list. But really, you know, if you have a Heisman winner, you have a Supreme Court justice that, not to mention, was one of the best football players of all time and, what? you know, the best basketball player to ever come out of the state of Colorado, it's hard to pick against those three guys. One thing I think needs to be – I just want to put in there is, to, in my opinion – if Spencer doesn't go down with that injury, there's a good chance he's in this conversation. Yeah, and I will say, and I've said this before, Spencer Dinwiddie was the best point guard I have seen live ever. Like I have, like because I watched him up close and day to day, and it, it was a little bit different. You know, like you know, you could say, well, you're neglecting like Kobe Bryant or 
whatever. Not point guard, I yeah. know, but like as a basketball player, but you know, I didn't get to see them in every single game they played and at home and on their home floor. I saw that a little bit with Derrick Rose. I saw that a little bit with Kirk Heinrich in the Bulls uniform. I saw that with Ty Lawson. You know, so it's always one of those things where it's just the team you're closest to, but. I saw him day in and day out and how spectacular he was. So I really, you can't say enough good things about Spencer Dinwiddie and definitely being there for when he was at the top of his game. If he had stayed healthy, he definitely belongs in that discussion. And maybe if he makes some noise in his NBA career, uh, if, if things turn out well in his NBA career, maybe he jumps back into this list. It'd be tough just, I guess, with the, it doesn't have like a grand ending or anything right. like that. You know, it's like, it, where, <laughs> He, he really was on his way to bringing CU to, to, in my opinion, their highest heights of all time. And so that's in basketball. What, right, right, right. And that's why, to me, he really would have been on here. Um, I think that team was poised uh, for something special that year. Uh, so that's why I think he needs to be included in the outside discussion in the, in the fairy tale land that is him not getting injured. And because we're on this topic, and you, and you said it earlier in the show, Josh Scott. He is one of the best athletes at CU all time, and you can comfortably say that right now. If he has some kind of grand finale this year, whether it be winning the Pac-12 tournament or, you know, getting to the Sweet 16, I don't know. I'm just kind of, you know, making up scenarios here. I think there's legitimate. There's a legitimate possibility Josh can get into this list of exclusive athletes. Maybe not in the top four, but definitely become in the discussion. Right. I mean, heck, the first. The first dude who leads CU to a Sweet 16 uh, probably deserves to be in there. So if that happens, then that happens. Before we get out of here on the BSN Buffs podcast, I've been hearing through the grapevine that Ryan used to consider himself a rapper. <laughs> that he Where, can are drop. Where are you going with this? Drop something. I mean, if you think you can drop something. I saw Kyle Mooney drop something on SNL to Kanye. He wasn't <laughs> even able to top Kanye. Could you, like, maybe... Put, put something on side. Just something about CU even, because this is a Buffs podcast. But rap something. I mean, I, I need some proof from you that you can actually put something together here. Since when do you get to put me on the spot? Who's the boss here? Since I became the beat writer last week. Like, oh, I wow. was I was Mr. Oh, I'm on the beat. Ryan's in the Super Bowl. I'm the one. Were, even Corinne noticed. Were you hashtag no new friends now? I think hashtag all old friends are going out and I'm making changes in my life. Okay. All right. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not rapping for you on this podcast. Well, will you rap for the fans on the podcast? Like, what do you want me to do? Something. Something about CU. It's about the boss. Do something about CU. Are you gonna hit me with a beat? Okay. Did you hear Kanye's new album? Yes, I heard Kanye's new album. Because we don't have the technology to supply beats right now, just do the acapella from "I Love Kanye." Do something. Do something in the line of that. Do what? I love CU. Sure. Why not? I want to see something from you. <sighs> All right. I'll spit something. Awesome. Give me a little, like, give me a little countdown or something. Three, two, one. 
I miss the old CU, real black and gold CU, shoulder to shoulder CU, that never fold CU, I hate the new CU, that O and 2 CU, fans wearing blue CU, always run through CU, I miss the sweet CU, that run the streets CU, I gotta say, at that time no one could beat CU, see they remembered CU, they all considered CU, and now I look and look around and there ain't any CU, I used to love CU, I used to love CU, I even had that coach Polo thought I was CU, what if CU? You could go back to being CU, back to the old CU. They'd be like, go CU. That's all it was, CU. We still love CU. And can they do it all again? I guess we'll wait and see you. <clears throat> I'm speechless. That's a mic drop, bro. Mic drop. You know, hey, you know, hey, you know, hey. You know, early hours. whole design team, easy team, music team. Hey, remember, remember, whole block get shout out. <laughs> In my version of a shout out track. Early hours. Hey, let them all run, let them all run, let let it, let it, let it. To my brother Yasin, hold down in Africa. Early hours. Hey, hey, hey. To my family. Thank you for holding me down. The media be acting like. That's Gabe calling. Yo, Gabe. I'm just doing a um, I'm just doing an ad lib track right now. What's up? Thirty hours. 